When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. everybody welcome back to red shirts and runabouts um things are a little different this week i have a returning co-host helper lady hi ray hello <laughs> and we also might sound kind of different so uh i'm just gonna sum up real quick uh greg my co-host and cohort in crime uh had to uh do a little trip and he's not quite set up yet to do podcasting so ray is helping me out and with that in mind we're using the Screen Hero Studio, so to speak, which has a new microphone set up that is different than what Greg and I use because we record online. So uh, this week is a double episode. We will be discussing Star Trek Discovery Season 2, episodes uh, Perpetual Infinity and Through the Valley of Shadows, because last week we had our Planet Comic Con panel where we built the ultimate Star Trek crew. Can I comment on something really fast? Sure. Since this is a Star Trek podcast, I find it kind of offensive that you call Greg your cohort in crime like shouldn't he be your cohort in diplomacy or exploration or you know just something a little more peaceful well we're the ones they didn't let in the Starfleet so you know. uh, according to your avatars that's not true those are cosplays <laughs> mm, whatever whatever um so yeah so we'll be doing a double episode today um we're probably going to might talk about pieces from both at the same time this is your spoiler warning for both of those episodes simply because we're gonna be doing things a little weird uh this week for that and um no news we're not really gonna cover any news except for network news so we are part of the heroes podcast network as red shirts and runabouts and we just want to announce a new show on the network that at least i'm really excited about which is called kaiju curry house and the show premiered this week on tuesday first three episodes are out now and if you don't know what kaiju are, um, they're basically like giant monsters, Godzilla, King Kong, Pacific Rim, all that kind of stuff. And it's our first international show. All three guys are out in the United Kingdom. Two of them are actually British. Um, and so it's cool. It's good stuff. So you should go check that out if monster movies are your thing. And, um, you know, Godzilla, King of the Monsters comes out soon. So they'll be talking about that kind of stuff for sure. We don't really talk about kaiju on, on the show. I think the closest we got to a kaiju 
in um, the Prime timeline would be the giant tardigrade in Discovery. Mm-hmm. In the Kelvin timeline, there's the giant creature in the 09 movie on the ice planet that Kirk has to run from. And I want plushies of both. So you want plushies of both? I want a tardigrade plushie so bad. But I think if those you, exist. They do. Okay, well, we'll have to find one then. I want one. It'll be yeah. a show mascot. Yeah, that would be nice. All right. So, uh, yeah, we're just going to go right in to uh, to talk about these episodes. So, um, like I said, spoiler, spoiler warning. So, Perpetual Infinity and Through the Valley of Shadows are two very different episodes. Mm-hmm. Perpetual Infinity basically focuses on trying to capture the Red Angel. And we find out who the Red Angel is after weeks and weeks of speculation. Um, those who listen to the show know that my guess my legitimate like not joking guess um you know was that it might be uh prime Lorca that somehow he got uh, thrown into the future or an alternate reality type situation when, i would have loved to see jason isaacs back right mm-hmm. right maybe it was wishful thinking yeah on my part but i felt like they had just been building this up to it had to be somebody we knew Right. Someone we, that was relatable to our characters. So I thought that would be a cool one because everyone would like freak out because they would think it was mirror. Do you Lorca. feel like they're building up? It'll take like maybe one more season and then Burnham's going to be captain of Discovery. And it's going to be exactly like DS9. And then the two black people have to wait to be captain. <laughs> well, I mean, what happens with Saru, though? He already outranks her. I know. So. But. I mean, part of me wants it's a... still Burnham's show. Like, that's what I'm getting at. Like, it, it's clearly following her arc. It is. It is. Um, part. Uh, they did make a big deal about the lead not being a captain when they were like announcing they and did, explaining Disco. But they never said it would stay that way. True. True. I, I don't know. I would feel bad for Saru to have him skipped over by someone who, you know, constantly didn't listen to orders and you know, right. things like that. Um I don't know. I I feel like maybe they have a long plan skeleton to follow, mm-hmm. but they don't figure out the details because a show that expensive is literally always on the bubble. If Game of Thrones ratings dropped ever, they would have canceled it immediately because of how expensive it is. So it's same situation. Like maybe they they have like ideas that are long term, but for the most part, they they fine tune the small stuff as it happens. So I mean, that's fair. I'm sure they had some road signs to, yeah, to right? hit things like that. Um, but there's some theories about where season three will take place and things of that nature. If you've been watching short tracks and, and all of that. So we'll kind of have to wait. I would be surprised if Burnham becomes captain unless they somehow remove Saru from that situation. If he gets his own ship mm-hmm. or if... And I would be really upset if, if something they killed happened them to him. Yeah, um, you know, if they want to promote him and give him a, give him his own ship, um, you know, at least the character gets a happy ending that way. As much as I would miss seeing him as a regular, well, um, I feel like his happy ending, oh, he would go back to Canamar. Maybe to be honest, it, it, his reunion with his sister seems so pleasant. And while his destiny is not to be on Canamar right now, it, it could be later. So. I would be surprised if he never returned home. Right. You know, um, but I I don't know. I think the tone of he has shifted so much after after the Valhalla and everything that I think he wants to be a captain. I think that while he respects Pike and the orders in the chain of command, he d- never hesitates to take the opportunity to be, you know, acting captain again like mm-hmm. he does in um, this last in episode. Yeah, yeah. In this last episode. 
So, all right. So let's let's talk. So we we know. Can we talk about Ariam's funeral first? Yes, please. That I, was I forgot the that's opening the scene. Yeah. So, just about every main character speaks, and everyone had such poignant things to say. But Burnham really did hit home. Her monologue was absolutely beautiful and i remember sitting there googling it to see if somebody had written it down somewhere and at the time they had not so maybe now they have i should check back but it it was a beautiful send-off i for some reason i really like on-screen funerals especially if it's in a fantasy world like in thor the dark world where they uh, had Frigga's funeral that was really beautiful and uh, you know here it's just fun to imagine different cultures and how they handle big ceremonial things like weddings and like funerals and like births and so I I really enjoyed it yeah we've seen we've seen several on Star Trek over mm-hmm. the years uh, that are more you know Starfleet funerals specifically and, you know, they always have the torpedo tube and, and things like that. That's kind of been cemented. That's one of the, the, the real cemented things in canon that they've never strayed from. That's how you want to go out, right? Torpedo tube? You know, you can buy a coffin that looks <laughs> just like a Star Trek torpedo tube. Just saying. Um, so a small note about that scene, though, this singing is Doug Jones. Yeah. Um, as Saru, it's, it's not dubbed over with somebody else's voice or anything like that. It's his voice. His more recent work makes me very upset that his earlier days he was dubbed over by so many other voice actors i like he just has a really wonderful voice why would you do that (laughs) yeah it it's a shame because like on one hand he's the greatest creature actor of our era Mm -hmm. of of probably of film and tv in general with ron perlman being like right behind him but you know, so I, I don't want him to stop doing roles like that, but he's also just incredibly talented in other ways. And so I just want to see him do more stuff and people to to recognize him because he, he is hard to recognize if you don't know, you know, if you don't go out of your way to see what he looks like outside of makeup. So fun fact, he has the most uh, pop vinyls. Of his, his characters? Di- yeah. He has as many characters now. There's uh, some actor that has more but it's different versions of the same character i think it might be josh gad because they made so many olafs right but he has the most individual characters ever made it's like seven of them now i think that's super cool isn't it neat and he seems to like that too he Uh, does he collects them yeah (laughs) which is just adorable um they are really neat little trophies like i i'd probably would too like pay 10 bucks to have me (laughs) fair enough um, but yeah, it's a beautiful scene. It's, yes. it's well done. I'm glad that they did something because, you know, we're supposed to feel the weight of her death, especially the build up to it in the previous episode. And so to to have the funeral really cements the fact that she was important to the crew. Um, you know. And we kind of needed that because she wasn't really a f- focus in season one. And mm-hmm. they slowly brought her in more and more in season two. But the way they did it it was very obvious that something bad was going to happen to her or the crew because of her so we would lose any sentimentality so i i like the way it went out i am sad that we didn't get to see arium continue especially since she is such a unique looking character yeah she looked really cool the makeup work was fantastic the prosthetic work was fantastic um, it's a shame. I would have liked know? to know that backstory, like how yeah. she became a cybernetically enhanced human. 
Yeah, I mean, we know that there was a shuttle accident. That's mm-hmm. all we know. Um, and we don't know, like, were there stages to this? Was there a progression? How long did it take? Right. Did, you know, was she the was she the first one to get cybernetics like this, mm-hmm. cybernetic implants like this, or augmentations? Or, you know, was this a, a more common thing, you know? Um, Maybe she'll be visited in short treks between two and three. Yeah. So for those who don't know, they they have announced that there will be more short tracks right. after this season of Discovery. And you're right. I mean, they could take place at any time mm-hmm. um, as the first seasons did. You know, they're kind of all over the place. So that would be great. I think that's a great way to do it. Um, so, yeah. So the, the the main plot of this episode, though, uh, Perpetual Infinity is trying to capture the Red Angel. Right. We, we find out that the Red Angel is supposedly Michael Burnham. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what, you know, Tilly tells us because of the, the neural the scans or DNA whatever. DNA connection. And um, so, you know, of course, I thought that was a little lame. At I first. did, too. I was like, really? It's just her? Like, so they're capturing herself. And then it made no sense to me because it was like, well, how can they lay a trap for a future version of Burnham if Burnham's involved in the plan and knows what's going to happen? Wouldn't the future Burnham know? Mm-hmm. And so the whole episode, I'm like, I'm trying to work out how they could think that because, yes, at the end of the day, it's not Burnham. Right. But they didn't know that. So yeah. They were still working off the logic that it was. So. Nobody in the room raised their hand and thought, hey, should we not have her involved? I I kind of agree with that to a certain point. But in the end, Burnham had like the Red Angel had protected Burnham from many other negative life ending events. So it, it tracked. But I totally get where you're coming from. You know, if it had been Burnham. Why couldn't she have like prepared yeah. for the trap? Right. Like that right. would be my thing is that you know, if this being is as powerful as as they're supposed to be and can travel through time and all these things, theoretically, they could get advanced technologies other than the suit, of course, you know, to interfere. And so uh, the logic just didn't play out for me that the crew is working on this plan with the person who they're trying to capture. Right. It just that didn't work for me. But um, otherwise, though. It's a, an intense episode. Um, you know, Burnham does basically die. And she it's does. brutal and it's kind of gruesome. And Sneakwell Martin Green just like brings it in that scene where they open, you know, the, the skylight and everything like that. I recently saw that she has a lot of haters out there. A lot of people don't like Burnham. They say that she's, you know, too stoic or she only has like one or two facial expressions. And it's bothering me that this is what it's come down to in women in sci-fi. Like that's that's really all we have. But if you watch a whole fucking episode, like she's she emotes and she's She's very compelling. I like her arc and I like how she plays Burnham. I I would go out on a limb and say that the people who are having that problem probably don't like the show at all and may not have even watched the show at all. And right. they're just part of the, the disco hater group that just won't like it because they don't want to like it. Because let's face it, Picard's a pretty stoic guy who's fairly measured emotionally most of the time. Right? Like, he keeps Um, his emotions in check. The movies are a different story, but during the show, it was always a big deal when his emotions came into play. That was the point of the episode, almost. And they even have specific characters where emotion 
is lacking for them. Like they they dwell on that a lot, mm-hmm. you know, for Spock and uh, Data. So why is it such it's a not. double standard to have a woman who's slightly more stoic? I, I think it's the unfortunate coincidence of people, uh, a group of people wanting to hate the show, mm-hmm. regardless of what it actually has in it and it just so happens that it's led by a black woman right i do um, have to ask was to paul stoic well yeah okay i, mean, I, I figured as um, much but because she's very very vulcan like yeah because you know well she, tim like russ tuvok. played she, it yeah. yeah her and tuvok uh were very similar in the okay. way that they were played because spock always had some emotion because first off in the original series they weren't really sure what vulcans were going to be quite yet um, and then by the movies and everything, they really played up his half human side and the friendships and everything. So we always saw Spock as being in between, mm-hmm. right? Whereas Tuvok is completely Vulcan and T'Pol is completely Vulcan. And on top of that, T'Pol doesn't want to be on Enterprise at the beginning and very much is not a fan of humans and is a big part of, the, of her arc. Um, so they're incredibly, the two of them are very stoic. They're very... Um, held back in their emotions yeah they have them at times restrained right because vulcans do have restrained thank you Mm -hmm. vulcans do have emotion and i think it's important that burnham spent most of her life on vulcan being taught by Sarek, going to you know trying to get into the vulcan science academy not starfleet initially um that is a big deal and the fact that she has continued that that mindset that training i think has more to do with her background than anything losing her parents Losing her captain, who was her mentor. These are very intense. Losing her brother as a relationship until recently. Like, those are intense emotional things. Sometimes that's, it would be nice to be able to push that stuff aside and be fully analytical, you know? Absolutely. There are plenty of times when I want to push down my emotions, but I I just didn't, I wasn't aware that people disliked her character so much until this last episode when I was doing some research. Um, I have a question for you, but I have a small tangent first. Okay. Uh, you once told me that Vulcans started repressing their emotions because they got too violent. Like they, they took them to the extreme. They emote yes. so much harder than we do and it became dangerous. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't know this, the people that make the current My Little Pony cartoon are huge Star Trek fans. They just introduced what would be Pony Vulcans because of this. This whole yes. this whole group. Right, as the show is ending. So uh, they started this group of Kirins or Kil- Quillins. Um, they are pretty much dragon horse hybrids. They uh, turned into these violent dangerous beings that like set everything on fire when they got too angry so they decided to not talk they they did a magic spell nobody could talk so uh Hmm. and then there's plenty of star trek references all throughout so if you're a fan and you have like young kids you might have a good time drawing the comparisons because i do i don't have young it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details kids but i do Anyway, uh, question for you. So how do you feel about the explanation the Red Angel gave for why Spock was the best way to communicate between the emotion and the logic and uh, the dyslexia reveal? So, I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. It felt a little convoluted and over the top because Star Trek has always use a combination of techno or trekno babble to explain why something is the way it is, you know, uh, reverse the polarity and, you know, things of that nature and going off on these crazy tangents about the the tech involved. I mean, that's, that's what Trek has done forever, right? This wasn't really that this was more of like a weird jumble of things that might possibly have some type of connection to each other. It's hard when you work with time travel because obviously none of us know what actually happens if you were to do that, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's a little weird for me because Star Trek has tons of time travel in it. It has time travel in the original series, has time travel all the way up through the... um, through the start the, the TNG films and enterprise has time travel and the Kelvin films um, have time travel. Yeah. Right. Like everything. So a being from another time period talking to you in this time period never seemed to be a problem before. It never seemed to cause any issues before. Now, I guess the argument could be made that the suit and the time crystals, which I'll get to later um, right. are causing that problem. It just seems like, Considering how easy it turns out to be to time travel in the Star Trek universe, that's the the Red Angel suit, suit almost seems like just the worst possible way to do it. Then, I agree. Um, you know, and may, you know, maybe it's the fact that you know TOS hasn't happened yet, so they don't know about slingshotting around the sun or or something. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, but um, I I didn't really buy it. I felt like it was just the the writer's way to keep Spock on the show without giving him anything to do for more time. They were, kind of, I, I really like Ethan Peck's great. And I love this. I love this rendition of Spock. His relationship with Burnham is super cool, but I feel like they really strung it along as, as long as possible. You know, they did. They waited until what episode six or seven to even introduce him. And then even then, like he can't really talk to anybody and mm-hmm. everything's jumbled. Right. And like, I just I felt like it was their way to stretch it as much as they possibly could when in reality, maybe we just didn't need to make as big of a deal that Spock was going to be involved and just have him show up, you know, or something like that. I don't know. The whole Spock arc has been a little convoluted for me. I agree. I it really does feel like um, fan service more often than not. And in what way? 
Just putting them in there to begin with. Oh, well, yeah, you know, that's fair. I I love Spock and Burnham together. The two of them on screen, they have a very complicated relationship and Martin and Peck play it up very well. And I I like what they do together. Spock's whole storyline, though, why he's on the Discovery, what happened to him uh, being, you know, wanted for murder and things like that. It, I agree it's convoluted, but I'm not quite sure every step of him has been handled the right way. So even though I love... Peck's rendition and I love him with um, Martin I just I don't know if he was necessary at all like why so his uh the the reasoning for the red angel being able to communicate with only him seemed very convenient in my opinion yeah I'm with you there because I think it could if they wanted to have Pike and give Pike's character a real personality like they have and Anson Mount's done an incredible job. Oh my God. How easy would it have been to just, Oh yeah. Spock's commanding the enterprise. That's it. Right. right? It makes sense. He's done it before. Or I mean, in previous star Trek, of course, but he's um, not number one right now. So he well, that's true. So wouldn't num- it be okay. commanding, but number one would be commanding anyway. Yeah. So it doesn't change anything. You're right. Yeah. Nothing changes. She's still in command and Spock's the, the science officer over mm-hmm. there or whatever. It doesn't make any sense um, to force the Spock thing. Cause you're right. It just kind of created a convoluted situation. Anyway, so how do you feel about the um, Stamets Culber storyline? It's interesting. Um, I I feel like they don't have enough time to dedicate to it, so it's super slow going, and we get these tiny bits and pieces. Um, I like. Uh, Tignataro, what, what her character does in Sick Bay in uh, Through the Valley of Shadows, I thought was great. Um, when she goes in with the the hangnail, which um, which was cute. It's a, I I mean I feel like it had to be on purpose, but that's it, almost a reference to the menagerie, by the way. But um, but anyway, you know, I, I thought that was a good scene. You know, someone who who had something and lost it and almost envies. That Stamets and Colbert have a second chance. The the light encouragement, you know, it makes me hopeful that Colbert and Stamets will reconcile. But I don't want them to immediately go back to being married, husband and husband and living together. I kind of want to watch them date and woo each other and flirt a bit, you know, like start start over. It's it's a strange situation because obviously obviously no one's ever gone through this before, right? right? So, you know, I, th- I think the point that that they're trying to get across is that Colbert doesn't feel like Hugh anymore. He's a different being. He feels like a different person, and all Stamets does is remind him of a life that is not his, that was somebody else's, that makes him feel like he's supposed to just kind of pretend to be this other person. And on Stamet's side, he watched his loved one die. Mm-hmm. When he was incapacitated, he had to see it through the spore drive. The mycelial network. Is, yes, exactly. And then he gets him back after this whole ordeal and he gets dumped. So he's had his heart broken to maybe three times you could argue so it's it's I don't know if it would be possible for him to start over, 
But if he really wants Hugh back, I think that would be a cute, wonderful journey. And, you know, I don't know if many people know this, but you and I are in a relationship and I'd want. What? All right. <laughs> I you know everybody has uh, figured you and Greg were in a relationship. But... I meant to tell you. <laughs> you guys are my bad. <laughs> that makes sense. That tracks. Anyway, I I think I would be willing to go through the motions and start over because starting over to me would be better than not having you. Yeah, and I, I think that's probably what he would say, but I don't know that Culber wants that, and I don't. I of course Culber not. Doesn't have to want that. Either. No, 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 no. It doesn't have but to be like that. There are so many other things going on right now that are no offense, more significant because they're universe ending consequences. Right. All sentient um, life. Yeah. Like, you know, this, there's a pretty wide gap between all sentient life and the galaxy and one couple, right? Mm-hmm. As sad as that might be. Um, and so their story is just being shoved to the side to these short little 30, 45 second clips. But you because... have to have a balance. Like it, it's the Armageddon argument. Like if small people, the microcosm isn't beautiful. Why save it? You know? Right. But I, I think that's the issue though, is they're not spending enough time. They're moving so fast. Like it's it's interesting because you know, for those of us The first seven episodes dragged on and I there was a lot that could have been cut out, I think. That whole silly tilly stuff with the ghosts and everything. Like, does that even matter now at this point? Well, that's how they got Colber back. I know. Yeah, I, so. Aside from that doesn't matter is there well, any other no but that was the, that's the thing though right they've, they've done all these very convoluted things to get us characters that they think that we want to see and i'm not saying we don't want to see them right but we were all most of us anyway we were very sad when uh colber was killed off and we really liked wilson cruz and we're we're sad about that the and... way it happened was really crappy like we've seen trek characters killed off before it is rare they don't usually do it but that was pretty upsetting it was intense. I, I don't want to call it crappy because I actually thought it was really well done from like a cinematic perspective. I thought it was very intense, unexpected, emotional, um, which, you know, unexpected stuff is, you know, is hard to come by these days. Mm-hmm. And so but they realized, wow, everybody really loves this guy and loves the relationship between him and Stamets. We have to fix this. And they had to come up with how do you do that? And he wasn't killed by some crazy alien or an energy beam or radiation. His neck was snapped, you know? Yeah. That's pretty final. He was dead. Like, what are you going to do? And they had to come up with some weird convoluted way to fix that. Could they have come up with a less convoluted one? I mean, probably, Um, but they didn't, they didn't, you know, Um, same with that's kind of like what we're talking about with the Spock situation. They had to give him this kind of psychosis where he's out of temporal sync with everybody and can't communicate. And that's something that Voyager did in one episode. Uh, the episode's called Twisted. Wait, not three? Yeah, one episode, Twisted, which, uh, uh, by the way, is one of my favorite episodes of Voyager. Um, the episode ran short, so they actually had to go back and just kind of film extra scenes with the characters walking through the hall, the corridors talking to each other. You've told me about this. Um, but in the episode, Voyager's kind of going through this anomaly that is twisting the ship. And um, over time, the ship sinks more and more into it until, you know, they are, they're all trapped. And when you end up going through parts of the anomaly, you become all discombobulated, essentially, because you're in this like other part of space. 
Um, and uh, they deal with it in one episode. Of course, back then, Star Trek was episodic. Voyager, while, had, while it had some minor threads, was an episodic show. Um, but this carried on, you know, for a long time. So I think I think they could have probably cut some of this stuff. But it's been pretty action-packed. They've been moving at a pretty quick pace the second half of this season, um, which you know, for better or for worse, you know, has meant that we've had to gloss over some other things. You know, we, after they killed off Arian, we still don't really get to know any of these other characters. You know, let's, let's look at Detmer. Let's look at Owo or, um, um, that is one thing that the other casts have done really well. If you were on the bridge, you were a main cast member mm -hmm. and that is not the case here. So we learn names to characters we may never get to know because these plot lines that they're running are so extreme and they're so serious and they have to be dealt with. If all yeah. of a sudden they just drop the signals on the red angel, I'd be furious. <laughs> like I'm invested, yeah. damn it. But, but like you have like Bryce, for example, he's uh, the communications officer. And I really want to see him without a shirt. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sorry. He's there. He's on the bridge, you know, just like, I mean, we don't like, like, you know, Hoshi and Uhura and we don't really know anything about him. Right. A, you know, almost two seasons into the show at this point. Oh, my gosh. Has the communications officer always been portrayed by a person of color? Um, I mean, those are the really the only three dedicated communications right. officers because that position been... kind of stops and becomes the computer after. Well, it kind of gets absorbed into like operations or, okay. or sometimes tactical, like in, in TNG, uh, Worf did that a lot. He got it. Like, you know, we're being hailed by whoever. Another POC. Um, that's true. That's true. Uh, I never really thought about it. Huh. <laughs> Just sorry. I, I make these things right off the top of my head. That's, um, but yeah, so let's uh, we have you know two episodes to talk about. So let's talk about the Red Angel. So we get to meet the Red Angel. We find out who it is, and it turns that out casting is wonderful. Why is it wonderful? Who is the Red Angel? Oh, it's Burnham's mom. Because <laughs> so, apparently, mother and daughters share very similar brain path, DNA, neural, gray matter bullshit. <laughs> yeah, more more Trek whatever. No, that was more Trek no babble is what that was, but. It, it landed it's, it's a tough thing right casting was great casting Her, was wonderful she's a good actor the character was really good but it continues to highlight something that has bugged me about the show and that's the idea of nobody's dead yeah well <laughs> burnham's dad is okay i mean right now oh maybe there was a backup suit well and he's in the backup suit and leland's dead or is he? No, he's dead. Or is he? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that's the thing, right? Like, we have had so many characters now either die and get resurrected or die, but they didn't really die. Like, or... I'm a comic book fan. That's how things happen. That's what shit happens. You buy the death issue, and then two years later, you buy the rebirth issue, the resurrection one. So, you yes. know, it's it's part of the fandom. Just welcome to my world. I, I, I read comics, too. Oh, but do you? This is not... This is not... Like, it gets... It starts to, to pull the punches away, because when the next character I dies... Agree. Why should I care? They could be brought back next week or it's next season. It's the Infinity War problem. We have this going yeah. on a lot in all of our fandoms right now. And, you know, the Infinity War one's a little bit different because we knew there was a second film happening and yada yada. With this one, it's more of just like, well, these several characters were all, quote, dead. But here they all are on the show right now. So why is this person dead? Right. Right. Um, you know, Arium could end up showing up because, oh, well, you know, my body drifted and then this alien probe found me and they reanimated my body. Right. Aww. Like that's a Trek thing. 
Yeah, right? it totally is. It fits in universe, but it's just lazy writing. So on one hand, would it be cool to see Arium more? Sure, of course. But like, if you're going to kill off a character, kill off the character. Stick to your guns. Don't. Some of them need to stay. Some of them need to stay. And so far, you know, okay, fine. Prime Giorgio is dead. But Giorgio is around like all the time right. and she's fantastic. And I'm so glad that we have a version of her on the show and everything. But that that hole was basically filled. Mm-hmm. Right. In some respect. No, you're right. It's the same thing with Leland. While Leland may be dead, while Control took his body, he's still presenting as. Well, that's a, that's a little different because he's a bad guy. But, you know, like. with And Leland wasn't a great guy to begin with. <laughs> you know, but like. You know, Giorgio, Culber, Saru's like teased death that wasn't the death, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, it's just, uh, you know, they, they almost teased Ash Tyler's death. And now, of course, he's perfectly fine and through the Valley of Shadows, which, you know, whatever. But um, it's just it's just one of those things where I want them to either stop killing off main characters altogether, just give it a break or make them actually stick. Otherwise, right. I just I'm going to stop taking them seriously. I get that, you know, and that's not good. Um, and it, you know, I've gotten a little bit of flack for this opinion from people because other Star Trek has teased killing off characters or killed off and resurrected characters, but it was usually done in an episodic fashion. It was usually done episodically where the character was killed off and brought back all in one episode. And it was a, a different era of television. And I still think that that's a little lazy too. And I've criticized the older shows for similar things. So just because I criticize discovery for something doesn't mean I give the other shows a pass. I'm just not talking that's about a, those. Right yeah. Now. That's a good point to make. Um, I, I feel like we do have to talk a bit about controls interception of the red angel because like control just started being a thing yeah. Since Arium and all of a sudden now it's like the biggest big bad with no weaknesses and they are so going to do SX Machina <laughs> out of this like right like big well, plot device going to land on their lap and beat control at the end. I just need to say this before before any more episodes come out before this week's episode drops or anything like that. I really with all my heart do not want control to have anything to do with the Borg at all. I don't think it makes any sense. I absolutely adore when they connect to the other shows. I, I've loved that in the previous shows too. When Voyager connected to TNG, when Enterprise connected to TOS, I love that. But I don't want new shows to step on old shows. And we've talked about how the Borg got some evolution in enterprise hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And they got development in TNG and Voyager. So why do it here? Why can't control be its own thing? Why can't Discovery have its own big bads? I also just, you know, there's no reason to contradict other shows on purpose. Absolutely. And, you know, mistakes happen, right? But the Borg, we know that they've been around for centuries, centuries, hundreds of years. 
Um, we know that they might have actually been around close to a thousand years per Voyager. And so unless control gets sent back into the past for some reason, which seems like a terrible idea because that just gives them more time to prepare, um, you know, but it just um, I, I just think it's a lame it's a lame conclusion to this thing that they came up with that frankly doesn't really make a lot of sense to me right now anyway. And so I don't want them to shoehorn it into the Borg just so it makes sense. I agree. Um, I'm with you there. I think we're both on the same page with that. So, you know, I mean, if they're going to do callbacks to the other shows, they need to do in universe stuff and talk about the Andorians or Orions or the, the Tellarites and like have fun with stuff that's already there that does need development whereas the Borg were already explained and has been touched on in multiple shows a like a ton of times right yeah let's and they're in movies like let's pass and do something else I agree um but you know control like the fight scene was kind of cool I was kind of hoping to go a little bit longer just because Michelle is just so phenomenal at uh, martial there's arts. no reason that Ash should have gotten stabbed and Giorgio should have lasted that long. If like control strength seems to vary widely on that. And that was a little bothersome for me. I was like, why hasn't she been stabbed yet? Like, well, I don't want that to happen. I don't. I don't want either of them to die. I will say that. <laughs> but it just like it. They wanted to tease Ash's death. Again, tease a death, right? And then they wanted to sh- let Michelle show off, and that I'm totally fine with that. Let her fight all the time because she's she is a so martial good. artist. Like show her training for all I care. Yeah. You know, um, wasn't she in Crouching Tiger or was Crouching she- Tiger, Hidden yeah. Dragon? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, just like let's let's see that. That's fine. Um, and I, I I knew that that was going to have to happen when she started second guessing things and thinking mm-hmm. Leland was acting odd. I knew they were going to have to have a confrontation. They've been building up to it anyway, let alone right. control. Because she wants to be the leader of Section Thirty One. Absolutely, she's yeah. the emperor. You yeah, know? like she doesn't want to be a, a lieutenant somewhere. She wants power. Right. And you know they've she's reconciled being in this universe pretty well. You know because the the idea of the Terran Empire, as horrible as it is, was meant to perpetuate you know, the, the human way of life. Right. And so she doesn't want Starfleet to fail. She doesn't want Starfleet to be conquered in a war or anything like that. She'll do some pretty nasty things to make sure that doesn't happen. But, um, you know, she certainly wants to be in charge. So I thought it was a a decent scene there. The, The whole thing was a little convoluted, right. Of, well, they're downloading the data, but they only got this percentage of the data. And this is a sci fi problem where it's like, well, they need to get the data to do thing A and they got X percent of the data. And that means there's no way they can do it because clearly the thing that they really needed was on the other part of the data. Right. Right. Like I don't think I find it unlikely that a hundred percent of the sphere data was required for this plan to work. And they, they got a lot of the data. So what, what are the odds, you know, that they missed the, the pieces of information that they needed, that, I, that control needed well, for the plan? I get that they want all of them. Maybe they're a completionist. <laughs> but at the same time, you, catch them all. if you download a file and this is going to age me, if you oh boy. torrent something <laughs> and you're able to get 54% of a song you can still hear 54% of the song. Well, it's, it's not even that. In this case, imagine it more of a massive hard drive with millions and millions of files. And rather than getting 100 million files, you got 
650 million files right instead of a billion files right like they still got stuff there's there's maps there's languages there's encryption technology which they proved in the that they mentioned in the episode they're using that technology but that last file that last last one percent is going to destroy all of sentient life it's a unix system oh god Um, every time you say that i hear (laughs) unic and i think of dudes without dicks and i just giggle it's a jurassic park reference for those playing at home no I know. Um, Talking any, about your pronunciation. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So Burnham has to lose her mother again. And her mother's stuck per, uh, perpetually camping in the future. So that's that must be what, what she's up to now. Um, which I thought was kind of funny. They had this nice little throwaway moment where they explain that she finds an M-class planet um, to camp on. And that's her home base. So she like slingshots back there every time. So that way at the end of the episode, when she gets ripped back to the future, she's not dead. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. They have to do that. Cause yeah. they, they might want to bring her back again. <laughs> and they should, she was a wonderful actress. She, the resemblance is uncanny. The de-aging that they used on her for the flashback scene was great. Like they set her up. She's a great character and I'm interested to see more of her. So I absolutely want them to keep her alive. But it was very obvious that they contracted her for like one and a half episodes. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it was fine. Um, I I actually think that the next episode, uh, we probably have a little more like hit me a little bit harder. I have more feelings about. So is there anything else about Perpetual Infinity that you want to touch on before we move on? Uh, Burnham's death scene was incredible. She yeah. th- that looked painful as hell, and she played it so well that I thought, like, I I started tearing up because it looked like she was in so much pain, and it was just really well done. I rarely get like that because a character seems to be in pain. I usually get like that because a character of my in my fandom past, not like, oh my God, what is she going through? So she did a really great job. But. I mean, to your point earlier, if anybody out there thinks that Sonequa Martin Green plays the character just too stoic and dry and emotionless, show them that scene where and she tell is me she's suffocating not a phenomenal and freaking actor. Her face is burning off. Like, how do you, like, she had to obviously act that. None of that's real. None of that's happening. And she has to act right. a thing that doesn't exist in the real world. Like, nobody has gone through that that we know of and she had like so there's not like footage she can watch or people she could get coached from you know that have and been instead, through this instead you know she's pulling off terror and survival and like oh. pain and dedication and you know so yeah she's she's great that scene was very powerful she's she's doing a phenomenal job yeah Okay, so let's move on to uh, Crystal, Crystal, Timey, Wimey. Sure. So we're going to take a short break, and then when we come back, we will talk about Through the Valley of Shadows. The Heroes Podcast Network is expanding with a brand new show, Kaiju Curry House. Three guys from the UK will be bringing you a fortnightly show, premiering on the 9th of April 2019. Our show will be discussing everything relating to Kaiju, our childhood memories of discovering Kaiju, our hopes of upcoming Kaiju movies, where to get merchandise, lesser known kaiju movies, games that star giant monsters, comics, books, TV shows, art. Did I miss anything? So, we invite you to listen to our ramblings, embrace your love of kaiju, and be part of the show. Drop us a line on Twitter, at UKKaiju, and support us at patreon.com forward slash heroes podcasts. Hey friends, this is Cam, one of the hosts of the Gamer Heroes podcast. 
We really hope you're enjoying the show you're listening to right now, and if you are, please consider becoming a patron of the Heroes Podcast Network at patreon.com slash heroespodcasts. Your support would genuinely mean the world to us, and would allow us to cover hosting costs for the website, get new equipment and software, and even make it out to different conventions and events to meet you, our loyal listeners. All Patreon tiers will get you access to the Patron Lounge and Slack, which will allow you to chat and interact with your favorite HPN hosts. On behalf of everyone here at HPN, thank you all so much for your continued support. We really couldn't do any of this without you. All right, so we are back. Um, before we kick off through the Valley of Shadows, I did want to talk, um, of course, for those who listen to the show, we grade these episodes and we do a poll on our Twitter, which is at RedShirtsPod, and the poll goes out on Fridays, uh, usually, if I remember, and uh, it goes until Monday evening, which is when we normally record. And so um, I wanted to just go over the one for Perpetual Infinity, which I apologize, I posted late, so we got about half the normal votes. I'm just going to be honest with you, because I only get, we only had like eight hours instead of three days. Um, so I appreciate everybody who voted on this one. But before I say those results, Ray, what letter grade would you give Perpetual Infinity? Uh, maybe a C plus. That that is really gen um generous for me. Like I I never give things like D's or F's, but. I think it was more hindered than not. That's fair. I was actually going to give it about the same grade. Maybe maybe a B minus simply because some of the performances were really good. That's true. That's Um, true. You know, the actors are just killing it. I'll change it to a B minus. Like, I get that. Like, even the stuff that I don't like about the show, it's never the actors. It's never been the actors. It's never been their performances. They've all been just fantastic. So, um, well... This uh, poll was a little more divided. Uh, the leader was a B at 40%. Right. Um, now, this is on Twitter. You only get four options, so no plus or minuses, and Ds and Fs are combined. Um, and so second place was uh, A with 37%, but 13% D, uh, C, excuse me, 13% C, and then 10% D or lower. So 23% gave it a C or lower grade, which is a little bit higher than usual, so that was a little surprising, but um, that's kind of where that one is. So... Okay, through the Valley of Shadows. So this episode, of course, focuses on going to Borath and getting the time crystals so that way they can somehow. But also Burnham and Spock have an adventure time. Right. Yes, they do. So they played both of those uh, storylines as if they were the A plot. I couldn't really tell what they intended to be like which is the a which is the b uh felt like the a plot was pikes personally i think it should have been but i feel like burnham and spock stuff was almost treated as important and it shouldn't have been well let's see the issue with for me for the burnham and spock arc in this episode is that again like they have to be like the most important people in the galaxy. And so control lures them out there because they need Burnham because Burnham's the only one who can Burnham's stop them. special. And don't get me wrong. I really love the Burnham character, but not know. everything needs to rest on them. I really <laughs> liked in season one when Stamets was the only person who could connect to the spore drive. And like the fact that other people on the ship are just as important and play huge roles in the universe makes me feel really good i i like that it's not just coincidental you're the main character so you get the best stories those shows always suck to me but she is the pinnacle of you know the universe ending 
catastrophe. Right. You know, which it just feels a little forced for me. And I'm not saying, of course, obviously Star Trek, there's been plenty of times where our crew has to save the day. And if they don't, all humanity is lost. It's happened a bunch of times. Hell, there's been movies about it Mm -hmm. in the Star Trek fandom. So I'm not saying that it can never happen. It's just a little tropey for me. Um, You know, so I just wasn't as sold on that plot. I thought it was silly that they were going alone in the first place. I thought it was a poor decision on everybody's part. Um, if there was a security like a officer, it wouldn't have happened. <laughs> it felt like a trap the entire time just because. I really didn't want it to be that guy that they meet on the ship. I liked that they knew each other from the past. Yeah. And that, like, I really just I wanted a side character that we don't have to be invested in, but is not part of the bigger picture. Like, I I miss that. And we don't get that in Trek too much with a serialized show that's fair um i didn't really see him as the trap i just as soon as i knew like hey there's a section 31 ship dead in space and you know we're gonna go after like well this is a bad idea that just seemed like a bad idea um because they're hiding from section 31 anyway you know so it just that seemed like a poor decision the pike storyline for me was just so much more interesting i mean the, the the peak of Burnham and Spock's story arc is when control becomes, you know, sentient liquid metal mm-hmm. and he's the T-1000 crawling yeah. as slowly as possible t- towards Burnham as she shoots phasers at the nano. Magnetizing the floor was a really cool special effect. <laughs> Watching that, like, it was silly. Don't get me wrong. But it was really cool to watch the special effects handle that. So it was fun to watch. That's fair. And I liked that there was an explanation for why it was taking Spock so long. He's like, well, I had to find the right frequency for that kind of metal. I was like, that's pretty funny. I like that. Um, That was a good moment. That was a very Mm -hmm. Spock moment. Um, But the Pike arc, I just thought was super cool. There's There's a few weird things about it. I think anything where time is fluid. Yeah. Makes me so happy inside. My favorite stories of all time have to (laughs) short stories. I have three short stories that as a writer and as a person, I feel have like shaped my perspective on things. And uh, if Derek is so kind, I will link them somewhere. 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 I don't know how this works. He edits and puts everything up, guys. I'm just here to, you know, sound pretty. But they all have to do with time being fluid and Mm -hmm. that's how i i loved that uh tyler and uh laurel's son is a grown man and he's a keeper and he's been there for so many years and he's seen so many people come through and try to take crystals before so i loved that storyline so I wanted to give a little shout out to Kenneth Mitchell. Kenneth, is he the actor? Kenneth Mitchell is the actor, but he didn't just play that role. This is the third different Klingon he has played on Discovery mm-hmm. alone. He was Cole, and then he was Cole Shaw, and so now he's playing uh, Tenevik. And so I just think that's super cool that they're bringing like, – there are actors like that in Star Trek, you know, like Jeffrey Combs, for example, who they're the, they're the character actor on Trek. And I think it's an important role to be played because that person knows the tone of the show. They know the other actors. They understand it. And it's not an easy thing to just randomly step into week to week. And he's been playing Klingons that are fairly important to the plot. Um, and I have to say this because I don't know when I'm going to be back on the show. I love <laughs> – that Discovery has brought in different skin colors for the Klingons. It's something that they haven't really done too much before. 
I mean, look, it's not just like these are drastic shade differences, you know, there's an albino and start in deep space nine right right of course and there's probably scientific reason behind it just like there's scientific reasons for humans to have different skin colors i'm just saying that i love that discovery has celebrated it it hasn't just been like a one-off thing but every klingon looks different every prosthetic is different and every single one of them have a different shade to their skin color so i can appreciate that they're making the klingons incredibly diverse that's fair um I don't like the term time crystal. I think it's stupid. Yeah. Uh, I, I want us to have a 1980s anybody, hair band named Time Crystals. Look, all it, female. Let's do this. We're all crystals in time. Right. Writers <laughs> in, in Star Trek have been coming up with completely off the wall BS names for the sci-fi stuff for over 50 years. And some of them are super silly. Some of them are cheesy. Some of them are laughable. But at least they tried Mm -hmm. and in this case it just seemed like what would you prefer them call i mean that's not who i i'm not that type of of person i've never been good at coming up with those kinds of names like crystals form with pressure between different rocks and minerals and stuff like how do you think time crystals form (laughs) well so like okay we can look at it this way so um you know time you know, we, we talk about chronotons mm-hmm. when you talk about time, um, chronoton particles and chronoton waves and temporal issues and things of that nature. And you have in Star Trek, you have other crystals like dilithium crystals, trilithium crystals. Um, they could have done something with chronotons or with temporal and crystal. The the Klingon homeworld's name is Kronos. Kronos, yeah. Kronos. It's a, Kronos. it's a Q. It's hard. I mean, it's been pronounced differently. Right. Like most people say Kronos. Yeah. I mean, that's, if you were to spell it with like an English phonetic, it's it's a K-R, but it's spelled with a, an a, Q. And a Q and, and Klingon. So it, that's, you know, the great god of time and everything. So it it's just really cool that they keep playing up to yeah. Klingons and time. And I, I, I That is neat. I, I didn't know that. And that is kind of a fun connection. So I, I don't have a problem that the Klingons are the keepers of these crystals. That's fine. I don't have right. a problem. I, I do believe that they are intelligent enough and honorable enough to understand the power of those. I just think that even just calling them temporal crystals or You like temporal? At least at least you tried a little bit to make it sound a little more sciencey but like saying time crystal with a straight face when the the, the galaxies uh, you know at my, risk is just silly my only problem with it is in 2019 we have so many people who use crystals and believe in the power of them for you know changing your life you know getting rid of headaches or bringing on new uh opportunities in the world and while i personally do not believe that i'm not going to shit on it i'm just saying that the connection is weird and it immediately draws me out and my brain connects to something else so i i'm with you there i wish they would have referred to it as something else i mean it just reminds me of of, of again like marvel right you've got the time stone and the and the power stone and the soul stone so like you know those kind those things worked in comic books because it's a different medium it's a different tone it's a different genre um it just felt a little lazy but um i want to talk about pike i do too so anson mount um is just such a important and just fantastic addition to the franchise he really is um that it actually makes what happens to the character that much worse even but we get we've had a couple of nods 
to his possible future. You know, uh, Burnham's mother alludes to it in a way in the previous episode um, about how his future is not so great. Yeah. And most people watching the show probably know that it doesn't end that well. If you didn't, if you haven't seen the menagerie, you don't know what happens to him. You've probably seen some memes at this point um, about it, but I, I didn't think we'd ever get to see it. I never thought they would show us what happened. And man, not only do they show us what happened, not only does it stay true to the original story of what happened, it's done just incredibly well in a short amount of time. It looks like they spared no expense building a brand new chair for him. Not the, with the, Ford Explorers. Okay. The <laughs> prosthetic work that they did with him. He, uh, Anson has been posting a lot of behind the scenes stuff from that. And like, it's just his incredible. wife wanted him to record it. Yeah. So he did. <laughs> uh, it's just incredible work. And it, the arc is so important for who this character is to know, to be shown what happens, to know that that is your future and to still go through with it because it's the right thing to do. Every episode Pike has been in has cemented the fact that like he is a captain I'd want to serve under. I'd want like, he's a man that I would fall in love with immediately. (laughs) Like no joke. Pike is just an upstanding citizen. He's got, some suaveness to him and charm but he also has intelligence and emotion and sentiment so he is just an incredible character that they've created here and one that we were kind of robbed of before this so I loved I I'm loving his story arc and he he might he's almost got my favorite captain I'll see how this ends but god he's just so good he he embodies what the federation is supposed to be agreed right he is he is the summary of like gene roddenberry's vision for the future the 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 future he wanted right the future he thought that we would have someday that's who this pike is and mount has just done an amazing an amazing job Mm -hmm. um he acts the hell out of those scenes by the way like he is clearly horrified there's there's no way around that and he still has to kind of push through it and he's doing this in front of you know klingons which is never easy to do anything really in front of klingons that don't like you um it was just yeah just incredibly intense incredibly well done uh, incredible just yeah i mean mm-hmm. this this is a character that we've seen very little of you know we have the cage we have the menagerie and we have the kelvin films that's all we have for pike and it's different different incarnations of him you know he's been played now by uh, by by four actors um at this particular point and we finally were given an opportunity to learn who he really is yeah um so it, it's amazing i don't you know to I'd like to say that all of our captains would do the same thing in his position. I don't think they would. But, you know, it's hard to know for sure. Um, I think some of them might have been strong headed enough to think that they could buck fate. Right. I mean, that's a very Janeway thing. Right. You know, she'll she'll figure out a way to time travel herself and she'll take care of it. That's that's the Janeway. Um, (laughs) The Janeway. um, You know, Cisco towards the end of the show was so aggressive and so powerful in the way he handled things that he may have done it in a a different way, too. I don't know. Um, Picard, I'd like to think, would have acted in a similar manner. He's he's sacrificed a lot before i i think picard is probably the only one that would kirk i feel like would be very similar to janeway and find 
some way around his fate. And it would have worked for Kirk because that, that's just who the character was and how things played out for him. He didn't always get what he wanted, but he always came out okay. So I, I saw a couple articles about this. Um, people were saying that Pike passed the Kobayashi Maru that Kirk refused to take. And I thought that was really interesting. So, you know, the Kobayashi Maru is the no-win scenario, and it's it's joked about in um, The Wrath of Khan, and mm-hmm. it's joked about in uh, Star Trek 09. Um, and, you know, the idea is it's a, it's a simulation. It's a no-win scenario. It's play, And it's about um, showing that when you, when you want to be captain, you need to understand that you could be in a situation where you have to make some really tough decisions. And the idea that you could be in a no-win scenario and how you handle yourself, it's not about succeeding necessarily it's about how you handle yourself and kirk he cheated he changed the conditions right and you know maybe he did it exactly the way it is in the 09 movie in the prime timeline we don't we don't really know but we know he changed the conditions of the test we know that so that way he could rescue the people in the kobayashi maru before getting destroyed by the klingons um he to spock's point in the kelvin timeline he missed the point he missed the message he didn't learn the message learn the lesson that that was supposed to give and and that's just who kirk is he doesn't <laughs> want to learn lessons he wants to win and pike on the other hand you know he went through the kobayashi maru in training before he became a captain um but this is the real deal he saw his future it's a pretty terrible one and knew what he had to do and he still made the right call and that's something kirk never had to do he always cheated, even in the Wrath of Khan. They lied about, you know, the conditions of the ship and cheated their way through uh, to His, fight Khan. The Klingon's name is Tenevik. You said Tenevik. Yeah. Tenevik. Um, he just said that if he takes the time crystal, this future is set in stone. There is no way around it. He didn't say that there was a chance that there what that it wouldn't happen, even if it. If he had walked away, that future still could happen. The possibility is still out there. He may not be able to avoid it no matter what. So I I think I would have made the same decision and taken the time crystal because there's no guarantee that it wouldn't happen to me. So this way yeah. I get the job done that I promised I would do. So well, I'm just saying like the word, the actual line itself leaves some ambiguity. It, it does. I took it differently. Of course you did. Derek and I have very different <laughs> brainwaves and patterns and we don't think alike at all. So these conversations are very in-depth with us. <laughs> well, I, I took it to mean that when you accept the crystal, the, the show keeps talking about how time is very powerful and time, you know, like in Star Trek Generations, time is a predator, right? It's, go, it's looking at time from that standpoint rather than Picard's standpoint of it being a companion. And I think that's what this is about. It's about... When you accept that time crystal, when you take it with you, Mm -hmm. you are agreeing. You're basically signing a contract with time. And that's when your fate is sealed. Otherwise, your future is still unwritten and things can change like what the Red Angel is trying to do. And I think that's the implication. The implication is that if he doesn't take the time crystal, he might avoid that accident. He could quit being a captain or never take that position or what have you and be fine. But when you take that crystal, certain things are set in stone. Time will move you into that position one way or another. Right. uh, Is how I took it, just based on the body of Star Trek. And so for me, it was a very big decision. He had to decide, you know, could he live with himself 
you know, or I mean, I guess they could all end up dying, right? Because it's the end of the galaxy. But I really think that that's what it was about, though. Can he give up his future at because there's a chance he could save everybody else's? Because it's still not set in stone that they're going to succeed to begin with. No, you're right. You know, this may not work. The time crystal may end up being useless and he may have sealed his fate for nothing. Mm -hmm. But it was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. So. Well, we definitely agree on that point. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's the episode we get to see Laurel again, which is great. She, uh, Mary Chifo is fantastic. She did a good job in this episode and I like her story arc a lot. I like the closure on her and Tyler's relationship too. I agree. Yeah. They, they worked out really well together. Uh, I really loved what she was wearing. It's so reminiscent of mm -hmm. Star Trek six, uh, the undiscovered country. They've done such a good job. She looks gorgeous yeah. like the outfits they put them in the costuming for the klingons is so unlike anything that we see in current sci-fi right now so i i'm really liking the way they look yeah yeah it was fantastic um is there anything else you want to touch on though for that episode we're, we're over the very our, our mark now. yeah that's fine we're talking about two episodes you said we might go long i want to talk about the end where they have been surrounded by a ton of section oh, 31 sure. ships and that they're going to blow Discovery to pieces. So have you ever seen Battlestar Galactica? <laughs> because in Battlestar Galactica, um, uh, particularly the remake in the early 2000s, they uh, they don't have warp drive, but they do these jumps, mm -hmm. right, that they plot. And so the idea is that the Cylons keep following their jumps. And the spore drive kind of functions like those jumps. Yeah. And so when that scene happened, it just made me think of Battlestar Galactica where the Cylons finally caught up to them and they have to jump away again. Um, so I imagine that's what's going to happen. I can't. like the, the No, they're not going to destroy the ship and rename the show. What, what I mean is Discovery couldn't go up against that many Section 31 ships without an AI trying to kill them. Correct. Right. So I just don't see any way other than just jumping away. Yeah. But, I mean, the plan right now, as the episode ended, it was to blow the ship to hell. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to do that. <laughs> I know they're not. I'm just telling you, like, that's how the episode ended. I, I'm only given the information I have. We can speculate all we I, want. I'm just responding to it. You know? <sighs> it's just, well, again, like, it's it's one of those things. It's, it's a little over the top, right? Like, you had the cliffhanger where, you know, uh, the best of both worlds part one where, you know, Picard Lacutus is on the screen and Riker says, fire. And then you have to wait two and a half months to find out what happened. Um, it's a little different than we're going to blow up the ship, but there's still two episodes left in the season. You know, right. That kind of thing. Like, I think I think the ship's going to somehow make it. Um, you know, there are some theories about what might happen. I don't want to speculate about that stuff quite yet for people because I don't want to spoil anything in case something happens at the end of the season. But uh, we got two episodes left. We have two more episodes for them to. Uh, wrap all this up with a nice bow because Pike has to go back to his ship at some point. Yep. Uh, I hear he's captain of the Enterprise. It's kind of a big deal. Um, so there's that. Anything else you want to touch on? No, that's that's it. I'm looking forward to the series finale. I am not looking forward to Pike being no longer a huge part of the show. Yeah. I Him going back to the Enterprise and still being the captain for a few years gives him a chance to come back every once in a while, but clearly he has to go back to the Enterprise and, you know, Spock has to be number one eventually and, like, it's... Yeah. We're, we're going to lose Mount and Peck to a certain degree, and I'm trying to reconcile that now instead of later. <laughs> That's fair. 
that's fair. How about you? Um, no, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I kind of, it, it's that difficult thing where like, I know they ju- they need to go. They have to get back to their ship right. know, at some point. That's just a reality of it. But um, Anton Mount's so fantastic. I, I wish we could just see more of him. Yeah. You know, you could give us a prequel show. Of it's Pike's the same with Jason Isaac. So. I, I really just want to see the all these characters they did such a good job playing him that to lose them after each season is a bummer yeah so how would you grade through the valley of shadows before we wrap things a up? B. A I b i think a b because okay. i i loved sorry that's my puppy she's she's getting restless i loved captain pike's storyline so much it was so intense and well acted and well done and well written and blah 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 but uh, we talked about how disappointing Burnham and Spock's storyline was in this episode. So, you know, drags it down a little bit. If Burnham and Spock had a much better <laughs> B plot, I it probably would have been an A. Well, this episode was received significantly better uh, oh, by other that people. That makes sense. Uh, 77% gave it an A, with 17% giving it a B, 0 with a C, and 7% with a D or lower. So, you know, pretty intense. Um, those numbers don't really add up to 100%. There must be some rounding problems on Twitter cuz that ra- that actually goes to 101% now that I'm doing the math in my head. But those are the numbers, kids. Um I would give it an A. I I I think that Pike's arc, his story, the A plot whatever, um overshadows the rest of it enough for me. But um I get it. There's definitely problems with the rest of it. So that then is going to be it for us this week. Of course, there are two episodes left. I'm hoping uh to uh, have Greg back with me next week. If not, I'm sure I can wrangle Ray into doing another one, but we'll be reviewing such sweet sorrow, which I'm sure is just going to be a really happy go lucky oh, episode. Sounds wonderful. Of disco. Um, as always though, please. Will there be parting? Do you think there'll be parting? Probably. Um, as always though, make sure you follow us at red shirts pod on Twitter to do our polls. The poll goes out on Friday. We want your voice heard. And if you have a reason for why you're giving that letter grade reply, reply to that tweet. And, uh, we will definitely, you know, talk about it as long as it's, it's relevant and it's not, you know, particularly cruel or anything like that. Um, and Ray, how can people reach out and find you other than at screen heroes? So I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at siren Ray and Twitter. I love to talk. So if you have stuff to say to me, I'll, talk back fantastic uh i'm the star trek dude of course greg is at the underscore bitter steel on twitter if you want to go talk to him and see how he's doing uh otherwise we will be back next week thank you for joining us we'll catch you next time bye red shirts and runabouts is part of the heroes podcast network and is hosted by gregory bosco and me Derek mayer the music is by flying killer robots Please follow us at Red Shirts Pod on Twitter or at Heroes Podcasts on Facebook, Instagram, or HeroesPodcast.com. You can subscribe to our show on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and pretty much any other podcast app. If you enjoy the show, please support us. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash heroes podcasts, and we also have a coffee, ko-fi.com slash heroes podcasts. We'll catch you next time. Live long and prosper.